back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, and we're going to quickly break down the uh, South Carolina's 16-7 loss on Saturday against Clemson, talk a little bit about uh, kind of what to expect in the next week or so with the portal, as far as what we can tell right now. Um and then I think probably next week we'll get into more like overarching looks at the season, um, which I know, uh, Alan, right now you were doing some behind the score like for the entire season and uh, kind of breaking down the trends. And uh, we can talk a little bit about that today too, but uh, obviously no game. Um, the It's completely out of the picture, right, at this point? I mean, it's never out until all the spots are filled on Sunday, but they would need several teams to turn down bull bids. So like, Right. Um, And like we said, we're already kind of seeing some portal movement and stuff. The portal officially opens on Monday, uh, December 4th, but um, we're already kind of seeing some some people start to talk about their offers and and talk about uh, their intention to enter the portal on Monday. Um, You know, it's kind of weird ground, I guess. Um, cause you, you don't want to speculate on people that are student athletes, but at like with the university, but obviously, um, once enough people have reported on something, you kind of just roll with it. Um, so if we want to talk about that one real quick, Donovan Westmoreland is the only one that's officially come out with his intention <laughs> to, uh, enter the portal on Monday. Uh, obviously playing time wise, that makes a lot of sense. That's not a big, um, loss and and that's one of those that kind of feels like it could be just good for everyone involved clears up a, a roster spot westmoreland can find a place that maybe can contribute a little bit more um yeah we'll see how that goes and then as far as a couple of targets on south carolina's end to maybe just go out and start thinking about um we've seen an offer out to tight end tyler neville uh that's out of harvard uh, so targeting the Ivy League again. And then um, an offensive lineman from Southern Miss, Shurkan Scott. Um, I've also heard some speculation on North Carolina's running back. Uh, Elijah uh, Green. Correct. Um, which all three of those are uh, positions, if you look at my weekly recruiting wrap-up from last week, I said uh, are likely uh, candidates. Um, might be some targeting of the edge uh probably would like one more veteran veteran wide receiver uh, and if antoine wells uh, comes back as he says he is um it'd be nice to have someone on the other end there so uh yeah a lot more stuff coming in the coming days we already have the transfer portal tra- tracker posted on the insiders forum on gamecockscoop.com um i will have a separate thread of potential targets and stuff going uh, later today. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about to be a crazy, crazy week. Um, on every other note, except for football, uh, men's basketball gets back in action tonight uh, against Notre Dame. The women go to North Carolina later this week. Um, we'll have full coverage of all of that as we kind of shift our focus towards battle, but obviously it's football season year-round, so we'll talk football in every podcast and on the site uh, all year long. Anyway, let's get into this football game. So um, obviously a de- defensive struggle. Um, 
Clemson does not score an offensive touchdown, which obviously you would have taken uh, pregame uh, if you had kind of laid out that scenario. Um, but they do score a scoop and score touchdown on the second play of the game. Um, and then Bucconic out and throws an interception on the next play. So uh, two of your first three plays are a turnover. Um, you still kind of, you know, fought your way back into it. You had a nice drive after that uh, to cut the deficit 10 to seven. Um, but really just never felt like the offense got going after that one nice drive. Um, defense played great, but you give up three uh, career long field goals <laughs> uh, to your, uh, to the Clemson kicker. And that's just kind of the way things go sometimes. Um, yeah, missed opportunities. There was a O'Donnell fortune interception, potentially like pick six that, that uh, slipped through his hands. That turns into a field goal. Um, you get the ball back right before halftime with really good field position and go backwards. Don't get any points there. Just a frustrating game. I, I, uh, you know, pretty much all the fun offensive fireworks happened in the first what like five minutes of the game and then yeah. it was pretty much over from there um what were your your takeaways um I, also i guess the other thing i didn't mention just in the overall summation of, of what i saw is that crowd was ready to explode and it immediately got the wind sucked out of it on that pick six or at the scoop and score i mean um and it felt like you really never got that full breadth of the uh, season record crowd on Saturday night? I think my main takeaway, just kind of stacking up the whole thing, kind of looking at both that game and looking at what where that game fits into what is now a completed season, is that's just what it was for more of the year than not. You scored a first quarter touchdown on offense. You put a really good drive together. Uh, we saw that at Georgia. We saw that against North Carolina. And then the offense went flat. Um, he struggled to block. Routler's running for his life. You couldn't get a running game going. Um, you had trouble getting separation on the outside, which other than Leggett, that's been an issue at times this year. Um, it just looked like so much of what this year has been. It kind of felt like a very fitting way for it to end or for the season to get ended. Um, as for the scoop and score, I mean, you've run that play a lot this year. Spencer said post game, that's one of those where it's not supposed to be backwards, but it's also not supposed to be forwards. Just kind of wherever the ball gets out of his hand on that particular play. I'm not sure why you're, I mean, you're counting on the get to catch the ball. I know that's where it starts, but I'm not really sure why you have that in your book anyway, if it could go backwards. Like I'm not really sure what the idea of that being backwards is. We've seen them run similar stuff forward, like the AB stuff, the Josh Simon stuff, little quick curls. Um, that's just a really, really tough break as early as it could, it was second snap of the game. Um, and that just kind of felt like it set the tone for the whole night. And like you said about the crowd, you never really, even though you did tie the game later in the first quarter, you never really got it back. Yeah, I guess that's uh, right. I, I thought, no, you, you never tied it. They had already made the field goal, so it was 10 to 7. But um, still, you were obviously within reach for – the majority of the game, uh, you just never could get it back together. At one point, you punted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight yeah. times, and then ended the game on a turnover on downs um, after that touchdown. So, 
Yikes. One, two, three, four, five of those were three and outs as well. So the last really, one of those really clips, did you I thought it was bad. I asked Shane about it post game. He said they thought about going for it, but they wanted to try to pit him down by the cockpit and maybe force a turnover and get a three and out. I thought it was bad, but also like Shane said in the answer, we were two for 13 on third downs, what he said. I don't know how you can have confidence in a fourth and seven. I was about to yeah bring up that quote. He said something about like uh, the way you were playing on third down didn't give you much confidence fourth down, which I do tend to agree, agree with. And your defense is playing pretty well. I mean, um, again, like we talk about the defensive statistics. Um, you gave up 200-something yards rushing, which is maybe not ideal, but a lot of that came you know, pretty late on that last drive even. Also, there weren't really you any did. chunk plays running. Yeah, exactly. And you kept them out of the red zone for the entirety of the game until the last drive. Um, only gave up nine points on defense. Like I said, very easily could have only been six points if O'Donnell Fortune holds on to that interception. Um, all of that, I think, was enough to win the game. You you just didn't have your own offense show up uh, in any meaningful way uh, to have it happen. But I don't know. I'm, from, from the way that the game script was going, I'm okay with the punt because your defense was playing pretty well. Maybe you felt like it was getting late early with the way your offense was playing and it was worth going for it there. Uh, That's kind of what I was thinking. It. I mean, it was like nine and a half minutes. I was thinking – you probably only get two possessions anyway. It ended up only being one more. So if you're punting there, you're counting on scoring every time you get the ball back at that point. Yeah, and by that point, your defense is a little gassed and you are giving up longer drives and uh, letting those those runs kind of link together. Um, if you want to talk about, like, some weird refing, it definitely didn't go South Carolina's way, although I don't think you can blame a whole lot on that. But the scoop and score did feel like after a bunch of replays, it looked basically like right in the line, but you called fumble on the field. So you kind of had to leave it as, as it was on uh, after the replay, there was a play, another play early on where Kate Klopnik looked pretty uh, dead to rights and kind of threw it away and um, didn't get a uh, intentional grounding call that I think would have taken Clemson out of yeah, it's the second field goal. Um, but again, those are, you know, a couple of little moments. It just felt like a weird game that the ball did not bounce the direction you needed to, uh, at pretty much a key time. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about this is, I mean, I'll say it. I got it wrong. I think everybody did. Clemson's kicker comes into the game one for seven on field goals over 40 all year. He goes three for three. That's a whole football game. Uh, they win by nine. Um, that's obviously that's credit to him. I'm not saying like that's not. It's that's just not something I think. I don't think any of us had that on the bingo card. I was honestly surprised Dabo sent him out there for that first one. It was 49, I think. Um, and it was fourth and six, I think, off the top of my head. I was surprised to even see him out there. And then he puts that one through. And I guess that kind of sets him on the course to hit two more from 41 and 42, I think they were. I'll say after you make that one, he obviously had the confidence um, yeah. from there on. Um, man, I don't know. It was a painful watch. Uh, I will, I'll say that. Um, just very like it. I felt like I was watching the eye game. Um, yeah, in the worst possible way. I guess there are some questions that start to come up based on last two performances against pretty solid defenses. Um, 
I think throughout the season, you kind of felt like Dowell Loggins had been an upgrade of what was going on last year. But then we saw both of the last two performances, things went pretty well as long as the plays were scripted. But then pretty much as soon as both those defenses settled in, you had some real problems. Any concerns, I guess, as you look ahead to 2024, do you feel like you kind of have your guy or um, did these last couple of games uh, give you pause? Concerns, no questions, yes. I think you hit it right there, Rod. I actually have the numbers for like first quarter versus second quarter, some stuff from my wrote yesterday if you're subscribed. Like there is a very sharp drop off of this offense all season, but especially the last two games between script and stuff and versus when you kind of got to get into the flow of a game. I I still think this still all the way comes back to your offensive line. I mean, you watched the Kentucky game, you watched the Clemson game, you watched all the games this year. I you got to be able to block. It's I know it sounds simple. It doesn't really count as analysis. That's not what you guys are here for. But blocking and tackling, it's football. Um, and they didn't block well Saturday night. They didn't block well for most of the season. And I think you kind of saw that's that's the end result when you have 12 offensive linemen hurt. And Yeah. Yeah, and so Spencer said it. He got rid of the ball uh, pretty quickly a lot of the night. Um, Clemson only ended up with two sacks, but eight QB hurries. Um, yeah. You really had no time. Uh, to do anything downfield, uh, which is why you saw a lot of the dink and dunk. And then, to Clemson's credit, they tackled very well in space all night, one on one situations. So that's a, I mean, that's a really good defense. Uh, and Clemson kind of was, I guess, what they've been through most of the year. Klubnik struggled to pass the ball like we really would. Uh, you forced them to throw it. They didn't score very many points, um, but their defense uh, held up in a major way. And yeah, I think the offline issues should get better just from a year more in the program of all those guys. You get a Marquis Anderson back who probably would have contributed this year too, had he not been injured. Um, you probably still want to try to look in the portal. We already said that they, they put out an offer to that guy from Southern Mist. Um, and then the 2024 group's really, really good. But again, we've seen what it's like when you're starting a freshman, no matter how good you are in the SEC. So uh, you, you'd like those to be your depth guys instead of maybe starting the way that you had to throw Tro and Tree in this year. Yeah, but also, like you say, you're going to get a second-year version of Tro and Tree next year. Um, you should have Jalen Nichols back next year. I, I would assume he's still got eligibility, obviously, after not playing a snap this season. That's a mainstay. You can plop in, I mean, either a left tackle if you wanted to move Tree somewhere else or somewhere else in the line for Nichols. But either way, that's, I mean, that right there feels like three years. Jason spots Henry as well. Case and Henry back next year. That's a tackle. Um, I think you feel, I don't want to say good about it after what you saw this year. It ended up being 41 sacks and 92 tackles for loss in 12 games. I mean, that's just kind of insane to even say out loud, but that's what it was. Um, better mm -hmm. about it, maybe, but you, you're right. You need, I think what you learned this year more than anything else is you need depth. You need more than five guys you feel good about because uh, guys are going to get hurt next year. There might not be 12 season ending injuries, but Guys are going to get hurt next year on the offensive line. It is, sorry to break it to you guys. It's going to happen. Uh, so you need to figure yeah. out more than five there. I think you feel cautiously optimistic, right? Uh, you feel like um, a lot of young guys had to play this year that hopefully are going to take those lessons and be better for it next year, even though you definitely took your lumps this year as you just read off. Um, and then I guess if we're kind of looking at the defense over the course of the season and definitely over the course – uh, of the final stretch, it's hard to argue that they didn't get better. Um, I know 
around mid-season, we were kind of speculating on Clayton White's future and if he might be a sacrificial lamb or whatever. But, like, based on the the way that they played over the final stretch, um, I don't think he necessarily did anything to warrant that. Um, we'll see. Um, I mean, I saw some, like, Twitter trolls or whatever um, – <laughs> Posting rumors, I, I don't think that any of that is true uh, right now based on anything that I've heard. So um, we'll see. I mean, this week we'll, we would probably start to hear some some rumblings around uh, coach, coaching changes if there are any. But um, White's still under contract for another year as well, um, which kind of helps him out there, I think. I, I think my main question right now for your defense is – are you a 3-3-5 team now? Are you a 4-2-5 team that runs a 3-3-5? Was the 3-3-5 your break glass in case of emergency this year that you just maybe put back in the case for net? Like, I guess kind of what is that? We've talked, we've beaten the scheme change to death. We talked about it pretty much every show for the last six weeks. And the defense has played better. But what does that actually mean for you going forward with your roster? How you're looking at the portal? What are you trying to fit in? Um I'll be very interested in the personnel specifically they they target in the portal defensively and kind of what that might mean scheme wise going forward. I mean, to me, it seems pretty difficult at this point to keep Van Martin Scott off the field. Um, yeah, is is that in a three linebacker set only? Could he be another linebacker in the four two five? I don't know. I think. I mean, you look at your linebacker depth uh, again. We're talking about some young guys that played this year that should only get better. We're talking about a very strong linebacker class for 2024. We're talking about guys like Jerron Willis, who you know flashed here and there as well. It might fit your personnel better. I mean, obviously, we got to see what's going to happen in the portal. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're bringing in Dylan Stewart. You hope Umio Zulu takes a step forward. Those guys, could, I think, could still play in the three-three-five as, as edge rushers or defensive ends or whatever you want to call them uh, in that new system. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see. I it, it would be surprising if pretty much all that linebacker group is back, including Ben Martin Scott, uh, that you don't at least see some of it in every game. Yeah, I tend to think it fits your personnel better, but I also think you can't – I mean, it's for us to speculate, but you kind of have to have a plan in place before you target kids in the portal because you need to be able to – sell where they fit and i think that's where your questions for the immediate term come from unfortunately we don't get to see uh what your preseason uh prediction was which was that lenore sellers would play in the bowl game um because there's not a bowl game whoops i i think you might have been right uh if there was one and rather would have uh moved on to focus on the senior bowl or whatever is that kind of what you – I mean, obviously, it's November 28th, but three days uh, after the 23 season, there's a lot that can still happen. But would that be your projection right now of who the starting quarterback is on day one? I think it would have to be just based on uh, – A, A Rat was going to be gone. He's ta- I mean, he hasn't said that, but he was basically talking exclusively in past tense about South Carolina in that postgame Saturday. B, you saw what Sellers did. You saw the flashes. You saw them work packages in for him against Kentucky down the stretch. You saw the Vanderbilt game, the Furman game. And C, Luke Doty moving to wide receiver kind of clears that path. Yeah, and, I mean, 
is you still could see maybe Doty come back um, to quarterback and, and shoot his shot there. But um, I think I would project the same thing uh, just based on what we've seen thus far. Um, I was trying to look at Mario Anderson's Twitter, but I can't up right now. Did you see he, he basically put a post that sounded very much like a far, farewell to me. Uh, did you read it that way? Or did you see uh, I did not see that. Um, it was basically just like, thanks for the opportunity sort of thing. So right. um, we'll have to see. Uh, we speculated that it would be kind of surprising if he tried to make the leap. Um, but I don't know. I'll try to see if I can find the actual wording of that sometime soon. Uh, I'll post it on the Insider Swarm if I can find it again. I can't find it right now. But anyway, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other just like obvious sort of talking points as we as we wrap up this season. Um, obviously, we'll do a little bit of a deeper dive, maybe um, give a way, 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 way too early depth chart in the next couple of weeks um, just to start to look at what 2024 looks like. I also saw that you um found are you kind of did a process of elimination of what the schedule is likely to look like, and games, it looks like yeah uh you, what do you remember offhand those couple of games uh, well first of all chris lowe from espn dropped a report yesterday it basically had kind of your marquee sec games leaked your alabama lsu's or texas texas a&m's you know george alabama things like that i don't know there's about a dozen maybe 15 games that he got the dates for and it kind of taking those off the board and looking at some other non-con stuff. It sure looks like you're going to Kentucky week two and you're hosting LSU week three next year. Um, those are your first two SEC games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you look at the opponents for next year, you have LSU, you have Alabama, you have Oklahoma, <laughs> like there's really no good way that that could fall. Um, but there are better ways than others. I mean, Kentucky week um, two is not terrible just because they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. LSU week three, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback and replacing a maybe the Heisman Trophy winner or quarterback. I don't think that's awful if that's what it is, which it definitely looks like that is going to be what it is. Um, it would more just be my question is like, okay, where does the Vanderbilt game fall? Is there going to be a chance to like stack wins with that somewhere? Where does your Alabama trip fall? Where do your bye weeks fall? Because it looks like everyone's getting two buys next week, next year with 14 dates. Um, I think that's kind of made me the questions beyond just what it looks like, which is um, Kentucky LSU out of the shoot in the league. And you said those were home games? Kentucky's a road game. LSU's a home game. Yeah, but at the very least, hopefully you don't end up with four out of your first five on the road or whatever it was uh, this year, or four out of your first five SEC games on the road. Right. Um, which obviously was, was pretty tough. I do think um, if we're just talking about season long takes again, you have to be somewhat impressed with uh, the way that South Carolina or that Beamer and the staff were able to kind of hold things together um, despite starting two and six. Um, you, you battled back. I mean, you look like you belong on the field uh, with Clemson on Saturday as well. Just, you know, the, the game didn't quite play out the way that you wanted it to, but um, really, I mean, you think about the losses this season, there there weren't very many where you felt like you weren't in it late, um, even though you lost seven games. Missouri is the one that sticks out. You were never in that game from the jump. 
But like, yeah, you, right. you feel like the Florida game is still the one that you feel like cost you your bowl game. You were right there. You had a 10 point lead with under four to go or under five to go. Yeah. Clemson two score game in the fourth quarter. Georgia was a three point game in the fourth quarter. Um, A&M, you were down seven in the fourth quarter at one point, although I don't really know if you felt like you were in it. Yeah, Tennessee, the, the other one, you were technically, you cut it to 14 with like eight minutes to go, but you were never really in that game. But other than Tennessee and Missouri, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, and, you know, even so, you have a lot of guys that are potentially going to be graduating or, or trying their hand at the NFL that um, had every reason at two and six to not, you know, mm-hmm. necessarily give their best on the stretch, and, and you kept that together. So I do think that that's encouraging. I don't know. It, it feels like a lost season a little bit, I guess, if you're a South Carolina fan, you're like not ready to burn the place down or anything, um, but certainly disappointed. C minus, D plus, how are we grading this year if you have to do it? I kind of think that's about where the neighborhood I am. Yeah, I think I think C minus, although I'm tempted to give a D plus to any year that you don't make a bowl, but we knew going in that the schedule was rough. Um, you basically reached your win total, your Vegas win total. Um, you did, you definitely didn't exceed expectations pretty much anywhere along the way. Um, but you kind of won the games that you're expected to lost the games you're expected to lost a close one to Florida that you probably should have won. Um, yeah, C minus sounds about right to me. The real question yeah. now becomes who do you lose uh, in the portal? Who are you able to pick up in the portal? Um, these next few weeks are going to be crucial. Now, maybe the benefit of not having a bowl uh, is you don't have to really split your focus. Um, if you're Shane Beamer and that staff right now, your entire focus for the next month is convincing those kids to stay and and, and finding – uh, turning over rocks, finding what you can in the portal. Yep. You've got, I mean, between today and signing day, what is that? 23 days. If I'm doing the math, right. Uh, you've got 23 days to kind of mold the next direction of this program. That doesn't completely fall within those days. You got portal time after that. Um, the portal's not even open yet, but between now and December 20th, you're going to know a lot. You're going to know how much of this signing class do you feel like might be a turning point for you actually gets over the finish line and gets to campus. You'll have a better idea of the portal three weeks from now. If there's staff changes in the next three weeks, they're going to, well, if there's, if there's staff changes, it's going to happen between now and signing day, you would think. Um, It's a very, very crucial three, three and a half weeks here. Definitely. Um, All right. Well, that's about all I wanted to hit on for today. I mean, obviously if you watch that game on Saturday, everything that needed to happen was kind of over in the first quarter. And obviously we didn't know it then, but uh, that's kind of how it played out. But anyway, um, we will have plenty more on South Carolina versus Notre Dame tonight. That's a pretty big test. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the few tests left in the non-conference for the men uh, who are undefeated and received a few votes in the AP voting uh, this week. So, you know, right on the cusp there. And then, um, We'll have tons of portal coverage uh, over the ne- over the weekend and into next week as all that starts to open up and the chaos uh, begins. We will be back here. Uh, we'll probably go back to once a week for now. So we'll be back here at the beginning of next week to kind of talk about the portal and, and talk about everything that happened over the weekend. Until then, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast.
we'll see you later.